it. So anyhow, I, I was just telling you earlier that I was on the plane and the steward was the stewardess and the steward were they were all on them in on this, telling everybody, uh, mask, please, mask, turn on your put on your mask. Uh sit. I'm like, what is going on? I read, I'm not going to mention the airline here, but I read the rules and regulations. It is an option. It is recommended. It is strongly encouraged, however they want to, but it is not required. And so I said when they were saying, mask on, please. I said, oh, well, hold on. Because it was like this. It was, it was like, I said, hold, hold on, hold on. I said, is, is this a recommendation or is this a requirement? They said, for respecting others, and this doesn't say, for respecting others, we we ask everyone, I'm, you're not answering my question. You're not <laughs> answering my question. I'm asking you, is this a recommendation or is this a requirement? We're asking everyone to wear them out. Like, they're trying to find ways not to answer that question because people are listening. And I was asking this question in front of everybody. You know, when you're walking in yeah. on the plane, the people are sitting and they're all listening in. They're watching me. And I said, ma'am, and I interrupted her. I said, ma'am, I said it in Spanish and I said it in English. I'm asking you, you're, you're not answering the question. I'm asking you, is it a requirement? And I, at that point, because I'm nice, you see, Andy, I'm always nice. First time, first round, second round, third round. You're, you're, you're doing something to me publicly. You're, you're, and then when you do that to me, then I start doing something to you. And so I said, you know, I started raising my voice. You are not answering my question. And I interrupted her. I said, I'm asking you, is it, and I said in Spanish and in English, is it a requirement or is it a recommendation? I'm like, well, why are you giving me that face? I don't have to talk to you that way. You're talking to me that way. And then she's, it's, it's a, we're recommending. Okay, good. That's all I need. That's, I don't need more. <laughs> that we're recommending for every, uh, no, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I go like this. And so, why, why, why is that funny? You know, and I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And. And, and she, like that, you know, she, and I said, thank you. Thank you. That, that's all I needed. Like, and then I said for everyone to hear me, oh, so we are recommended to wear it. Thank you. And I had the mask and I said, I put it in my pocket. <laughs> and then, and then everybody's looking and then they're starting to t put down their mask. I mean, they didn't ask, you know, and another, and then the stewardess was looking at them and they said, your mask on, please. And I looked over and now she wasn't saying to me, she was saying to the others. And I'm thinking, are they going to get me out of this plane? And I said, I said to, to the, to the passenger, I said, it's a recommendation, not an obligation. I'm just telling you. And I started saying that and people were just taking down the mask and they got so frustrated, the airline people. And then farther down that's because my seat was number 32. So farther down, the steward was like, mask on and i said it's a recommendation correct well we're asking he was a little bit nice well, we're asking folks i said thank you that, that's all that, that's all i needed that's a recommendation like you're giving me more information than what i need i think what we're really interested and i looked at all the passengers we're really interested in is a recommendation like we're just interested in is it a recommendation or, not, or an obligation like 
you're making it very complicated. And they kind of looked at me like, well, it's just trying to respect for others. And I said, if, and I looked at anyone else who was looking at me and they felt like maybe I was being disrespectful. I said, well, if anyone feels that they want me to sit up front because they don't feel safe, I sit me up front and we can start. And then people are like, you can do that. And I said, you can switch seats with anybody. It's allowed. If you give up your seat and we switch seats, that's not an issue. <laughs> and so we started switching up seats and people wanted to sit with their, I mean, it became more than mask. At this point it was, I want to sit with my daughter or, and then I started coordinating and they didn't like that. But this is about us. Who is paying for this airline? We are paying. We're the ones who are the passengers. And we want to, some people wanted to sit with their family members. So I, no one says these things out loud. So I said, do you want to sit, do you, do you want mind sitting over here? That, um, the lady over there wants to sit with her child. So it became something else. It became more, and I like this anarchistic way of ruling ourselves. Yeah. Anyhow, I made this story longer than it should be, but the point is. great, because we didn't get to talk about the Russian Revolution, but you uh, just had a story for about workers' power on the the airplane. Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barco with local teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and teacher and socialist Jessica and community organizing socialist Kenny Cepeda are out for today. Uh, so it'll just be Andy and I today. Uh, so uh, be ready for that. <laughs> we are online at what-s-left.webnum.com. Uh, you can find that link to our blog in the episode notes. Uh, you can also find our personal social media handles at um, Instagram at Don Eduardo Barca or Kenny's at ZDKE or Jessica's Twitter handle at jhomey89 and we'll have that in the, in the episode notes. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode where we found this episode. Thank you. All right, so coming back to Zoom. So it's just you and I today. So it's just you and I, Andy, like old times. Exactly. Long time subscribers, long time listeners, viewers of what's left uh, may know, or they do know, if you've been a long time listener, subscriber, viewer. Uh, Andy and I started this podcast back in 2018. Uh, so I'll be sharing some updates uh, from what I've shared in previous episodes but in a more extended version of it thank you andy for uh giving me this opportunity because obviously we discussed discussing something else uh for today's episode we are planning to discuss the russian revolution in light of our previous episode with uh jeff people should check out that episode um it'll be in the episode notes uh great interview and so we are planning to have the discussion but since of some modified change for today we'll have the discussion on some comments or a little bit of what I've mentioned about my work around immigration and my friends trying to migrate and travel up north. So I'm hoping that today's topic, as improvised as it will be, we'll be talking about that. So uh, I hope that is of interest and we'll see where it goes. Anyhow. Yeah. And what I would add is you have, you know, you're trying to start like a channel and you've 
in, invited people to make donations to a link. And we want to flesh that out a little bit more and talk more about what you're trying to do and what's behind this initiative you're taking and urge our audience to consider, first of all, listen to this episode and urge our audience to consider donating if you like and think what Eduardo's doing is important. Yeah. And I thank you, Andy, for bringing it up because you've had conversations with me on the phone about being expanding this further, right? And not just talking about it in a few sentences in previous episodes. So I appreciate this time. So we'll be having that discussion today. Uh, I want to just let people know I'm back in uh, the in Mexico. Uh, I had a three-month stint in Colombia where I there are episodes of me there and reporting from there and also other topics that we covered whilst I was in Colombia that people can check out uh, episodes to those. Um, uh, people can check out the links to those episodes that we did whilst I was in Colombia. I'm, I went to uh, uh, the USA for a little bit and, and then came back here uh, to my country. So I'm here now and that's where I'm reporting from. Uh, so that's just for people to know if they want to know where I'm at, because my background seems to always change. Right. And just to Jessica's say... Jessica's pennies and yours seem to be, your background seems to be quite consistent. Mine is <laughs> consistent. It's the same old boring thing. Um, but the, um, I think to say, I want to say about the your brief stint in the United States, um, you folks might not know this, but Eduardo ma made it a surprise for me. I did not know he was coming back to the United States. In fact, there was a wedding that, you know, uh, from somebody we both love. In fact, Hema's, Hema's been on our show, right? So people yep. may know Hema Sotomayor from previous episodes. Maybe I'll post a previous episode there. Um, she got married like a few weeks back and um, and I was the uh, officiant or minister. I'm, par I'm part of the Universal Life Church now. Like I, I have my- That's I, right. I have, right. But I had, you know, we, none of us, me, Hema, Brandy, we're like thinking Eduardo was going to make it there because Hema at first I was like, well, Eduardo's going to be there. And I was like, he ain't going to be there. He's in Colombia and he's got to go to Mexico. And so I was talking smack about that and basically saying, you might as well just cross him off the, the list of tables. Um, and I sent, you, I sent Eduardo a text saying, you're not going to be here or something like, you're not going to be here, right? And he goes, no, he, he just said no. And now I look back on that no and it could have been like, no, I will be here because <laughs> When I when I I went to the wedding expecting and not to see Eduardo, and literally Eduardo shows up like like teleported from nowhere with you know smiling face, and I was shocked. It was actually one of the best part, one of the most memorable parts of the night. I shouldn't say that it was a memorable part of the wedding um, to have you there, Eduardo, and to and to get that surprise. And I think even Hema was surprised too. She was doubtful that I was going to make it. <laughs> I so do appreciate you, in her comments when she was directing to the crowd that she said, thank you for some of you. She looked over at me for making it even, I think it was something like far away or something like that. Yeah. From far or yeah. something. Yeah. Like that. So it was definitely a good thing to be able to see Eduardo in person. Um, and you uh, lit up the room and had a good time dancing as well, apparently. <laughs> If people visit my Instagram, they'll see there are numerous stories of me dancing in Colombia and stuff. I'm not just someone here sitting down and doing nothing. I also. Uh -huh. 
Go out. Yeah. You're the party guy. <laughs> Anyhow, it was so great. It was great to see you and Brandy. Yeah. And um, shout out to Hema. And uh, it'll be another time when we'll be together. And her husband, Jorge. Yes. Now, officially, her husband, Jorge. Um, so the original plan was we were going to talk about the Russian revolution because we're going to have Jeff on again. And we know we, he was going to cover world war one and the Russian revolution. And that's such an important touchstone for me. And I've never really discussed it, like what my feelings are about it. And I do want to have that discussion. I want to be able to share my thoughts about it. And I felt like before we have Jeff kind of talk about it, we wanted to have that episode. So we thought we were going to put it here, but Kenny couldn't make it. So we're not going to do it this week. I think we could possibly do it next week um, and then maybe ask Jeff to come back a week after that or something like that. But um, today, I think uh, the one episode we had really talked about, Eduardo, you and I, was the the the, fun, the fundraising thing you're doing with regards to the people trying to emigrate from Colombia. Colombia. From to, Venezuela, actually, to Colombia. Up right. North. And... and um, and you've put links on it, but we talked before, and I, I thought it was kind of important that people understand what, what you're really trying to do here, what the money would go to, what, what, what this effort is. So I think it has a better chance of actually doing some fundraising out of our, out of our yeah. channel. So I just want to say I, I'm so grateful for Andy for doing a lot of the bulk of the work of behind the curtains that goes into editing. and the recording and backing that up and uploading to YouTube, all of that, that I'm just so lazy to do <laughs> for my own channel. I dreaded doing anything, but I have some recordings. And so I'll, I'll be sharing that soon this week for sure. Now I have more time because I, I'm finally just getting settled here in Mexico. Uh, so I think uh, for me, this is, I'm I'm in Mexico because I'm here because of my family because this is where I grew up. Part of the time I had a very similar experience to come out the USA and, and Mexico and travel back and forth in this transnational kid um, border child, <laughs> and I've always had um, my great best childhood memories here. Uh, but it's it's interesting how when I was in Colombia. And in my travels, this is always what I experience. It's just the fact that I know there are privileges. And I'm just talking about advantages, like legal advantages that people have, depending on where you are born. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I've encountered. And I have stayed with friends, as I've mentioned, in Colombia that are mostly Venezuelan. And... Uh, and I was living in a transitional home where people are staying, but leaving, staying, and then leaving in this home that constantly is an influx of people and then leaving up north. And so I heard a lot of their stories. And some of them have shared very sad, you know, tragic stories. Others have or many economic or political or even environmental pressures. People have decided to leave. Um, and uh, so I've decided to follow their stories. And since I'm in Mexico, 
where most of Latin America and even globally, like we have seen Ukrainians come down here to Mexico, Africans coming down to Ecuador and going up north, crossing through many of the uh, borders. My country is receptive. I'm not always uh, legally, but I mean, it's always receiving people, migrant migrants are always coming through my country up north to the USA. Same thing as many Northern African countries in Africa up to Europe, right? And people going into Spain or Greece to go and travel uh, west of Europe. And so since I'm here in Mexico, I've decided I would like to share the stories of migrants and go to the Guatemalan and Mexican border and uh, report from there, share some of the struggles on my channel, maybe might even on what's left, depending, but I think we have an agenda for what's left and I think we should follow that. Mm -hmm. I might share here and there if there's some opportunity, but I invite people to take the time to look at the episode notes. I know I said in the intro, I know I said in the outro, but I invite people to really do look at the links that I have, that I have two important links. One will be to my personal channel, which I'm uploading now. I've edited YouTube vid uh, videos that I've been recording of friends when I was in Colombia and recordings of my friends' phones that they're just sending to me over WhatsApp. And I will be putting it together as a puzzle. Like I'm saying, it's uh, too much. And I'm so grateful. Andy is always there doing that stuff for what's left. I can appreciate your work so much more now. <laughs> um, but so I, I hope that people take this time to look at my link just to, if you listen, to share what's happening at the border and me following their stories, my Venezuelan friends who are right now in the jungle in Panama. And if it is in your means, the other link will be to uh, a donation a fund that isn't really a lot. I'm, I'm just gathering enough for folks to have food, for have water, have somewhere to stay uh, on their journey. And anyone who knows me, uh, friends or community members know that I'm not someone that takes like donations lightly. I have put put to good use what people send. Mm -hmm. And I have left many things in Colombia and bought many things for migrants and shared many um, of my belongings and bought their other things for their journey. Uh, and I don't have the economic means to be able to help so many people. So if someone can pitch in $5, their Starbucks coffee or you know, their $10, $16 uh, cinema ticket to go see a film or, you know, if you, anyone reconsiders what they buy during a week, I'm sure that $20 goes a long way for anyone that is going through these borders. So those are the two links that I would like to share in the episode notes. Uh, this is an important cause for me. Uh, they're not just because of my friends, it's just because of these are people's stories that I've gotten to know that I will share more in detail on in in my on my own channel that I hope people can really listen to.
I don't know if there's anything else I should add to that, Angie. Well, maybe I do a few questions to, to draw it out a little bit more. Yeah. First off, um, what do you what do you feel like? Because people, and unfortunately, the U.S. border and the and the crossing of that border has actually been politicized. And when I say politicized, very cynically politicized by both Republicans and Democrats. One saying, "Oh, they're putting kids in cages," and the other saying. You know, there's illegals coming across the border, both of them, in, in my opinion, posing as, well, they're both people who hate, hate, hate immigrants and who, who basically are trying to control the border one way or another on either side. Um, and so we've heard stories, we've heard stories from the AOCs of the world about like people trying to cross and like that. And I think AOC is a complete fraud, to be honest. Um, in in, ter- in terms of really ca- not just caring, but really she's she's about the United States and about that country and about those borders because she wants to support sending money to Ukraine so they can fight a war for a U.S. proxy war. So as far as I'm concerned, you know she's as, she's for USA. She's for those borders, basically, in my opinion. And her yeah. her her stuff, the whole thing of stories that they talked about has been kind of poisoned. I kind of think. So first off. What what do you feel has been different about the, your experience in and what what you've heard and what you hope to relate in terms of your uh, the kinds of stuff you want to do? Then yeah. the kind of same old maudlin bullshit that we hear from Democrats who don't believe in this anyway. So we've had a mixed bag recently after the, pand- <laughs> the pandemic. We've had now folks that are on the freedom movement, uh, people who may be on the somewhere on the political spectrum from left center, from right, left, whatever. And so I remember going over to the Trump rallies and people who were against the mandates. Do you remember that, Andy? Yep. And being in in demonstrations now with people who have some differences politically, but we're on the same on this one, right? Yep. I think folks should realize that Republicans or Democrats' agendas are strictly in order for them to hold power, to be able to have votes, for them to be able to continue have, or meet, even if their votes don't even, I don't, sometimes now I'm doubting whether these votes actually contribute to them being in power. <laughs> right. Yeah. But right. These, these are political forces in the USA, and we should really look into the intentions of where we used to stand if anyone was on either side of these um, po- political sides. I think we really need to expand further on what it means to be part of the freedom movement, if that's what you want to call it, or be part of the more um, libertarian or uh, non-government um, controlled centralized power sort of uh, direction that uh, I think the pandemic opened up for people and their eyes. You know? uh, so. There are maybe some people that might be listening to this who might think that I'm for, I'm against the mandates, but I don't know. Immigration is not something that we're going to be in an agreement about. I think, as I said, the people who are on the freedom movement, I would think it be a part of their reasoning or part of their interest to also be against any sort of 
political imposition by the government and the way that we are living today that any border, any restriction is the same as a mandate, yeah. is the same as the government. Might, yeah. And it's the same as a QR code. It's like yes. fucking if you can't go to Starbucks with with your vaccine because you're not vaccine passport, it's no different crossing across from Tijuana into San Diego. It's, it's exactly the same thing. Sorry. Right. No, thank you. Please inter, uh, interject. So I think we really need to look at it beyond just COVID, beyond mandates. This is a movement that needs to continue. The momentum was great during the time that it was with the truck drivers. and But as a movement or as workers, as people that want to run our society where we say how it's run, whether you are an anarchist or socialist or libertarian, or you are in those doubts of your former stance as a Democrat or Republican, wherever, I really, I'm speaking to even my conservative friends here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may not need to convince some of my uh, left-leaning friends, but to my conservative friends, because we have had some conservative fo- friends here, restrictions such as borders are not isolated and they are a part of the impositions that governments do to control workers, right? And any movement is to be tracked, to be to be uh, followed, to be to 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 have certain papers, right? What does that sound like? To yeah. show your papers. Mm-hmm. If this is the agenda of our technocratic oligarchic world. If it was an issue, it would be an issue for the rich as well, but it isn't. If we look at the rich, you can see that they don't have any restrictions at all. They can travel anywhere in the world. It's open borders for them, but it isn't open borders for us, the workers. For us, what, 90%, 99%, whatever that coined in terms of the Occupy movement time. But the rest of us are pretty much corridos, fucked up, not, not fucked. We're basically, you know, we were screwed. I, I, sh- I want to think, I, I think I should say that one instead. We're screwed. <laughs> Where we are the ones that are made to be put against each other. Well, the rich, right? They don't have any restrictions. They have three passports. They have four passports. They have whatever kind of way. They have their private jets. They can go anywhere in the world. You have people... Internet, there, there's no vetting. There's no, <laughs> there's a bunch of things that happen for the rich that don't happen for the rest of us. And I invite people to look at their own movements. Why is it that my friend moved from where he was born in California, moved to Idaho? Jake, I'm speaking of Jake here. My, I, he's comfortable with me speaking about this from California to Idaho to Oregon to Illinois and down south to Florida. I mean, these are movements for different reasons. Mostly, uh, these movements are because of uh, economic pressures, because of his father needing to find a good job, and this was how it worked, and then he had to go move about to find a way to be with his family, and then the stability of his job. 
I can say this because I'm very close to him, so I know he wouldn't mind me saying that. But that's the story of many people. Andy, where are you from? Brooklyn. Where'd you move after that? Right, Brooklyn to Cincinnati, to St. Louis, to Baltimore, to Baltimore, Maryland, then to uh, California. I mean, migration is a part of our history. (laughs) (laughs) Where, you know... Where do I mean forever? We've always done this historically. It's part of there are many different reasons, right? If we look at just ancient times, people moved with herds, people moved with animals, people moved because of necessities, and people are still moving. So when these borders came into play, what was that for? <laughs> was to be able to control. This is just another way of controlling. This is to control workers, us not to control those who are ruling. They don't have the same restrictions. And if we're going to fight mandates, we're going to fight the restrictions and top-down approaches, we have to be for open borders. It's as simple as that. I don't know how the freedom movement, people on the right who are about uh, freedom of speech and uh, the, the right to own your own gun and to not let government control you, how they cannot be on the same page about this it's quite clear that this is the only way to control even if you agree with capitalism which is not i'm an anti-capitalist but folks who do i like again i'll mention my friend jake who who is a capitalist he says he is a capitalist the free market or whatever however you want to run it you know i have issues around it is still restricted it's not a free market to the purest form, if that is what you want to achieve. It is still controlled, and it's controlled by what you have, crony capitalism. So I won't, this is another topic, but I'm not trying to go into that right now. What I am trying to say is we should all be, everyone, on this on, on, on the open borders issue. This is, this, is, this is our issue. This isn't about the people down south who are terrorists. That's what people are trying to tell you. And and boogie, we're looking for boogeyman. You know, these are the things, you know, the, that's the way I think they should feel. I, people who felt because they're unvaccinated or felt the pressure of being vaccinated should be, should identify themselves with people who are migrants because what happens when people label you, when they say you cannot enter this place? How did you feel when you did not go into that restaurant or that gym or that concert or wherever you were to show your papers? This is all about control. Everything's about control. Movement, our lives, and telling us what to do and micromanaging us. And so I really, it's not just about compassion. It's beyond that. It's obviously, I'm moved by families. I'm moved by their stories. I'm moved by people's lives. But it's beyond that for me. It's, I don't, I'm not going to allow myself to be influenced any longer as maybe 20 years ago and and reforms around immigration to think that this isn't important because this is this should be about us this is about about our our cause this is everyone's cause no you can expand on it further uh, and yeah. it, but I, yeah so anyhow and you were talking about qr codes and everything you i think you can go into that if you want but anyhow so I, i'm just hoping that this is, I make the case strong enough for folks to realize this affects 
them, but it affects more than anything us. Yeah. It's about and, us. And I would just add, well, first thing I want to add is there are many things that have shifted for both you and I, Eduardo, starting from what's left four years ago politically. I mean, there are things we've moved from, like we were here and now we're here politically as a result of all the things we've come into contact with and the different people we've come into contact with. We've talked to, we've joked about how Allison has blown our minds and Jake and Eric Lerner and just the people we've met like Jessica and um, James, James and James from LA. Um, and like your people you interviewed at City College who were talking about how kids are going to be screwed by being in front of screens. Tracy Burtz. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one thing has not changed for any of like we started open borders in 2018, but you and I, and that has not, I have become more convinced of open borders through this. I mean, like more like this has to go by as a result of exactly what you're talking about, that the experience of restrictions that I've felt because of papers has only convinced me that we, we have to tear that down. And the thing that's interesting, and I, I, I don't know if you're thinking this, but the thing that's interesting to me about your potential interviews and stories is it's not the U.S. border. It's the Mexican, it's the border with Mexico. Because really, we're all caught, because of identity politics, we all get caught up in as if it's just about racism. Racism is a feature of it. I be, I know that. But the, the biggest feature of it is actually not its element of racism. It's the element of control. It's the element of the state imposing itself to tell people you can't come here and you can come there. And any worker in the United States who supports their state in saying to another worker, you can come here, but you can't come here. Guess what? That same state's going to be telling you where you can go. And they're not going to give two shits about you. And like you, it's exactly what you said about the rich, just like they can move where they want, just like they don't have to wear a mask on their stuff, just like they can, they can get away from vaccine passports and, and all sorts of stuff, just like their capital, like, Canadian truckers will have their capital seized when they do anything, but you can have rich people put shit in the Cayman Islands, no problem. And they know. And this government says, oh, what are you going to do? These people are just hiding their money away. What are you going to do? It's like, oh, you were able to secure the money of these of Canadian truckers and make sure you can count every last penny, but you can't you can't count the pennies of the wealthiest of society who can move their money anywhere they want. Their capital is free. So those rich are free. Their capital is free to move. But you're going to say workers' capital isn't free to move, and the workers aren't free to move. Come on, folks! Like, are you really going to like? Are you going to fall for that? And we are—we have an audience that is more right wing or more conservative. And I would just say to you, you got to re, folks, you got to rethink that. Like, um, but I—I I am very interested in the the idea of stories coming out that expose the brutality of all borders. It's not just a racist U.S. border where they're putting up these stupid walls that, yes, Trump did it. And now Biden's building the whole thing. We can get into walls. But whether that wall is there or not, more and more, they're not going to even need walls. The, the geofencing, the, 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 the tracing they're doing, it's, it, it, they're going to they're be building, they're going to have invisible walls that we won't be able to cross. Um, and if we, if we accept them, if we accept that the state this any state is able to dictate to any worker, no, you can't cross because of this fucking flag. You're a sucker. I'm not sorry. You're a sucker. And they're gonna fucking they're gonna tag you. They're gonna trace you. They're gonna sh shoot you up with vaccines. And when you're complaining about that, you're gonna wonder why you know. Oh, look, it's the same thing as what's happening on the Mexican border with the United States, Mexican border with with Guatemala, with, uh, Guatemala in this case. Mm -hmm. 
And then the border you're talking about between Venezuela and Colombia, it's borders all over the all over the world. They all must come down. And you are just showing one. I think the, the thing I'm most interested in is the aspect of the story that almost pulls the racism out of it. Although I know there's still an amount of racism even across as you or nationalism as you go across those borders, but but exposes the trauma of it that is just there regardless of whether you have a white person on a U.S. border looking at a brown person coming from Mexico, because that's that is only a piece of it. And we also know more and more the U.S. hires plenty of brown and black people to monitor that border. And, and just to speak to racism. So, number one, it, it, number one, the, the, the restrictions are not not number priority and not because of racism. It's because of to be able to control it's a it's a class thing, really. Is is to control who can come in, who's what what part of the class you are. If you're rich, obviously you can pass. If you have money, the means, whatever. And if you're not, and you're the very a worker, you're not. You're going to be restricted. The racism does filter in through, and this is where I tear down some of the liberals' point of view that people of color cannot be racist, because in Mexico, plenty of racism from us. From I know because I'm entering a lot of discussions and polemic and a lot of debates with people here in Mexico who have very extreme racist points of view, and we are like me. <laughs> they look like me, <laughs> and so the 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 academic um, liberal perspective of racism can racism black people cannot be racist or people of color cannot be racist right this is the this is what i've been I've, i remember being in uh, circles uh mostly democrat uh and uh liberal circles say this is that i invite them to go come to mexico and see people of color being racist i don't know what else it could seem like when you're not letting africans enter or you're saying crap about African migrants or you're saying crap about Venezuelans or you're saying crap about Honduran people or, you know, Kenny knows this. We know this uh, because we we are in these countries and we see it. So it's confusing when I go up to the USA and especially in San Francisco and they say, uh, you know, oh, white, uh, no, um, people of color cannot be racist. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, reflect my experience. But yes, number one, number one reason is mostly about it's it's mostly about control this is what i have seen in my now we're like as we are delving further into all of this about the fourth industrial revolution really this is how i I, i've now realized that this is about more and more about the control of our lives and to digitize it to stamp us to cure us to scan us uh to know our whereabouts and i'm seeing this more reflected in in colombia more and it's infiltrating here but colombia is very uh it's an example because your iv what you have is used for a lot of things in colombia and i didn't even delve into this this is something that i didn't realize you could use it to pay you could use it to scan for uh to enter a, a, a bar to enter i mean not just to show i'm talking about scanning mm-hmm. they're they're keeping track of every movement, everywhere you go. And then they map this out, you know, for the government to know the whereabouts, where's more traffic and where people, this is sounding like China to me. 
-hmm. and Colombia is their their ID. And so I'm just afraid of that future. But anyhow, returning back to this topic, it's um so number one to me, this is about uh uh um what do you call it? tracing our tracing our our movements, where people are moving and where are they moving and criminalizing people for their movements and migrating and then letting only people because they do want workers the usa does want workers but only allowing them to work in certain sectors like in spain as well i was just talking to my friends in spain this week and they were saying to me that now there's they're letting venezuelans but venezuelans that are willing to work uh in the fields so it's a very limited way of where i want this worker to be not where they choose or out of their will where they want to be and it's about where they are needed because it's supposed to support this system that we are living in, the structure of that, uh, of, that of that society in Spain, right? So um, anyhow, so back to to that. So yes, I, I think number one, it's all about our the tracing of our lives. This is about that, and people should see it that way. Yeah, and when we did that Columbia episode, your first Columbia episode, when the title of that was with the something about fearing the state more than the virus right yeah it's not i'm not afraid of a virus i'm afraid of the state yeah i mean people should think about that are you afraid of a person from mexico crossing the border or are you afraid of the state who's basically saying they can't do that who do you think really represents more of a threat and 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 it's 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 not even close and i just feel like people really have to rethink and and in reality actually supporting people moving through borders is about reclaiming people's right to freedom freedom to move and yes some of this motion is because of bullshit wars of the united states and bullshit wars of the west and nato yes i get it but i'm not even talking about that like and economic dislocation and and all sorts of stuff but what other reasons the free freedom movement should be about freedom to move as much as it's about freedom of bodily autonomy. And the minute you say, the minute you accept a state stepping in and saying, Oh no, no, you can't do that. I'm sorry. They don't just stop at that door. They don't just stop at the border and say, Oh, we'll just control that. But the rest of you inside the country, you're all going to be free. And do you think they're really telling you the truth when they say, Oh, we're doing this for you. We're doing this to protect your job. Really? They're going to artificial intelligence, your job out of existence. And they're going to collect data down South and collect data up North. And we're all out of work because AI is taking it all. And that's where this is going. So there actually is really an urgency for people in the freedom movement to understand the the centrality of open borders and how it's connected how it's connected to just the notion, the, the medical freedom, the fighting passports, the fighting vaccine mandates. They're just they're one in the same. And if we don't understand that, they will play us. Like we're done. We've cooked. We won't win. We will lose. Um, so I, I'm gl- I actually thought of this as episode as more like a fundraising for your thing. But in talking about it, I feel like we've been able to really re- focus like a laser on this issue, like or and really go, you know, put to the people we've been talking to about stuff, revisit. I would urge you all to revisit the question of open borders and yes, make a contribution to Eduardo's, you know, fund here so we can get the stories out. Um, and I want to talk more about that, but Folks should really rethink that and really ask yourselves, maybe I want to, maybe I'll be an open border conservative. Uh, I think there are some, uh, I, 
are two people I can think of that are um, that are pro capitalism that are in conversation and in digging and digging uh, are for open borders. But I wouldn't say it out loud this way <laughs> because of they, their belief in free markets and their belief in their libertarian about beliefs about um, making everything. Uh, I've had these discussions. I can't argue the case because I'm not really on this stand. So, but maybe I'll invite them sometime. Who knows? Yeah. But their point of view is that, yeah, the interference of government isn't actually a libertarian stance. You know, it's not, um, it is it's still meddling with um, their free market, their idea of free markets. Uh, I was going to say, you're right, Andy, that, you know, regardless of the economic pressures, political pressures, et cetera, if you simply want to move because of love, <laughs> what's wrong with that? <laughs> do you know, why do we have to make the case and me share sad stories, which I will share because many stories are sad, but, or because of, you know, very uh, strong economic pressures that you know dire situations why should i share i mean i will but why why is that the convincing point that i need to be sharing with people if people want to move because of love because of living reinventing themselves i mean i i we talked in an episode about how i i moved away from from not i didn't go back to my country and i didn't stay in San Francisco when I was 18. I couldn't go back to university. I moved away to reinvent myself, to discover myself. Maybe I could have done it differently. But what I'm saying is, you know, I I was trapped in a bubble. And sometimes for self-development, if that's what you need to do, that's what you can do. So it doesn't have to be some sad story that we need to share for why these are the reasons why we need to migrate. People should have that freedom to move, to move about. I mean my friend Jake moved because for love. He went to Florida because of his partner. So, I mean, and was he vetted? <laughs> I always ask him that. Was he vetted before they went there? <laughs> We're not vetted. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't have to be some, oh my goodness, I'm in crisis. I need to get going. No, right. it could just be, that's the freedom of what, well, I think that's the freedom, the ideal freedom that we're looking for everyone i think who listens to this episode if you're not on that train whatever you need to be on it okay i'm referring to this other train the socialist train (laughs) you're saying the open border freedom train yeah sorry but i shouldn't confuse uh the socialist train with the (laughs) otherwise we're gonna get confused because that's a that's a long time uh joke of mine <laughs> from the beginning of what's left, uh, so maybe I'll say it differently. But you know, you sh- people should hop onto this, on- onto this love train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or curiosity, exploration. Yeah, wanting to know about something, wanting to know about a different culture, wanting to know about. It. I mean, that's freedom. That's what freedom is. You know, and I feel constantly guilty. <laughs> I'm, I have to deal with this. And they're not telling me to be guilty. It's me and my issue. Yeah. But I remember being in El Salvador and people asking me why was I down there when most Mexicans are going, don't come down south. And I said, because I'm well, I'm exploring this side of Central America. No. And I remember being uh, in, in Jamaica, Jamaica, uh, where I was also asked that same question. Why? 
what moves you to come here in Colombia too? People have asked me. And, and then they say something to the effect of some, somewhere along the lines of, must be nice huh, to just hop on a plane and just, just have to pay to just get to one place to another or stay as long as you want in this place. There are certain restrictions, obviously. Like I'm not allowed to stay more than six months in Colombia. Right. But, but that those comments sometimes make me feel. I don't know. I. They do something to me. It makes me upset. And, I mean, I would. I don't. It's not my fault. I was born in a particular spot in a particular time. That my parents got amnesty in the '80s to be U.S. Americans, they're immigrants, but, you know, the Reagan at that time, they gave amnesty right. to immigrants, right? I don't know if you remember that. And yep. but but, That's a little-known fact that it's been more, on the more conservative presidents, that there's been more openness to that. And it's not really related. It's not really a Democrat-Republican thing. They both have it in for people. But if you want to look at the history, it's been bad under Clinton. It was good under Reagan. So anyhow, yeah, so... I don't, but my parents weren't born in the USA. They, they just happened. My, both my parents are U.S. American citizens and they, they were able just to get that amnesty at that time. Not so many people were allowed to because of their history of their record. However, if it was criminal or not, that was the other thing too. Like you put immigrants against, you pit them against each other. They say, well, you can't, you shouldn't or whatever. People are not allowed to redeem themselves, you know, such as my uncle who, had a tough childhood and he got himself in the wrong crowd and he wasn't able to be, he, he grew up all his life in the Bay area in San Francisco Bay area, but he was, he was born in Mexico. And then when time he did another accident, like he, uh, DU, DUI drunk, drunk yeah. driving under the influence. Mm -hmm. Then he was sent back to Mexico all his life being raised in the USA. But because he had a, he had a troubled child, uh, adolescence. He, he was sent back to Mexico in a place where he doesn't even know. He doesn't know anyone there. I mean, yeah. we have family, but he didn't, he felt so disconnected to them. So I can't help that I, I was given the opportunities that my mother was allowed to go and spend six months in Mexico, studying the USA. And then we went to Europe when I was an adolescent spend our summer there and then come back and then move about. Like, I have no control over that. I'm sorry. I, I don't, I mean, I know people are not asking me to be sorry. Right. But it doesn't, I don't think it's fair. I have those advantages. Right. Well, now I think you're trying to do something. Um, what would you say for you in trying to raise funds and, and doing this fundraising, what kind of amounts would be successful? Like what, what for you do you feel like could make a difference in terms of what, what you're trying to do, like a target amount? Yeah. Well, I put on the, I put there in the link about seven, $600. It's not a lot really. Uh, and um, people have been donating, not directly to the link. People have given me, I'll just donate on their behalf. But I think that's doable. If it could be higher than that, great it would obviously pay for more comfortable uh vo voyage or travel uh other than that it'll mostly pay for food <laughs> so i'm hoping people could see it 
in their means, uh, five dollars and twenty. But yeah, it's not a lot. So yeah, so I and maybe what we'll do is I think we can do like a. So I would ask people if you like what's left, if you like what we're talking about, make a donation. Um, I'm going to make a donation, or I'll talk to Brandy, and we'll do something here. Um, there's another cause we're do donating to that I think is important uh, in terms of a space here locally that's like a freedom space that we're mm. going to try to do monthly donations to to keep that space where you can organize and actually come. So you don't have to organize outdoors. You can organize indoors. It's, we're doing it with the luminaries and things like that. So wow. I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like we're finding those opportunities. And, you know, if people can do something can people do something like once a month or is it should is it lump sum they don't have to donate once a month ten ten dollars goes a long way really especially here in in the global south where a dollar is 20 pesos basically yeah and that covers a lot you know yeah. you can get a lot with a hundred pesos okay so that's the pitch um and i urge folks who like what's left and who like what we're talking about here to donate. And I would urge also a section of our audience who maybe doesn't agree with open borders um, and doesn't feel like, oh, I don't want to support that. I would urge you to think more deeply about, you know, what this question of borders is really about. Yeah. It's interesting. I When I went down to Florida, I think there's an episode that folks can watch on that. I remember discussing this topic and they didn't have an issue with me. They had an issue with immigrants. And I, I was like, well, what is the difference between them and me? Like, oh, you're nice. or you're not typical Mexican. <laughs> like, I think I said this in that, that episode. Yeah. I just wonder what sometimes people's concepts or sometimes the boogie man or the boogie person that we place has been so ingrained, we don't see the humanity of who we are. And there are lots of people who have issues with this whole uh, issue around identity politics and say, we're just human. Where if we're just human, <laughs> you know, because they don't like identity politics. Right. Say, why can't we just see each other as human? Well, I don't know. Why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> right. And well, and what's going on with the boogeyman, right? Because We've been down this road. We just got, we've just been hammered for two years with a boogie virus, you know? So who do you think's making this story? What do you think they're making it for? Do you trust the people who told you all these lies about the virus to be telling you the truth about Honduran gangs and Mexican drug lords and da, 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 all this to, 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 to demonize an entire population out of something that's real, drug trafficking uh, and drug selling? But who do you think's more dangerous? What's this, El Chapo or fucking Pfizer? Who do you think's more dangerous? Like, do you think El Chapo's trying to vaccinate your kids and force them to do that under schools? I mean, it's, it's, think about it, folks. Anyway. No, yeah. I mean, Pfizer, no one wants to see this history, but Pfizer has a history of being in Africa and experimenting with their pharma drugs they're experimenting I'm, with people in the united states right now right that i'm just saying if they did it before what makes you yeah. think they don't they're not doing it this time around yeah. and i just saw i heard on the democracy now this week where i'm surprised the of course they're pro-vax but that 
Pfizer and Moderna are now ha- updating their vaccines for these other variants, but there's no clinical trials on it. Nah, unnecessary. We'll just experiment on the population directly. This is from pro-vax. Because <laughs> uh, I, I normally wouldn't label it in this way, but this is why I say pro-vax uh, outlet, right? Yep. They're saying it. And they still said it in there, but it's still defeats covid whatever but they they but they, the fact that they said that is okay well now they're saying that i mean we're not lying yeah i hope that this doesn't get taken down now that we said this because this will defeat the purpose of whatever well no i'm just, saying, way I'm, to just get citing, I'm just citing the, a source that's pro-vax if youtube's listening this is not disinformation whatsoever whatever no. whatever that crap they want to label do what they're going to do but um, I think, uh, let's just see how it goes. And then maybe, um, maybe there will, there can be some clip pieces that you could share with us Yeah, either for this episode or for future ones where we can just kind of, Hey, updates and things like that. Or, you know, if we, if we are successful in raising some money, um, you can just let us know. And, um, and then, um, then there can be some cross pollination between what you're trying to do in terms of your own stuff and, and what we're doing on what's left. Sure. Of course. And maybe I'll invite you, Andy. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, thank you, Andy, for allowing me to speak to this. Uh, I think this was not something I expected we will delve into, but this yeah. is everything to do with what we've discussed. An updated episode on open borders and immigration in the context of everything that we've already experienced and in the context of the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, I mean, I was just reading from the World Economic Forum that uh, that chips might be, chip implants on children just might be appropriate. I mean, what? This isn't, I mean, this is from their own website. I was just reading that today. So what would that look like in the future if you want to allow people to enter? It'll be an excuse. Oh, we're vetting people. Let's implant chips to make sure that we're, they're safe, right? I mean, this is what that future is. And once they're implanted and the rest of us. So anyhow, I, I'm not saying this, I'm not putting stuff. People can look this up. I'll put the link. People can read this. This is actually happening. We've talked, we've talked about sex tech. I mentioned examples. This stuff is happening out there. And if it's not there yet, it will eventually happen. So I'm, I'm afraid for the future of where we're heading. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, that's that for that. Yeah, no, I think this was good, and uh, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing, Eduardo. I do miss having you around. Uh, you know, unfortunately, when you were across the bay, I didn't get to see you that much anyway. But at least I could know I could see you. So, um, and uh, but I'm I'm really glad you're doing what you're doing, and, and we'll see what the, this produces. Sure. One last thing, I invite people to listen to the podcast that Jessica, our co-host was on another person's podcast regarding Roe versus Wade. And it then evolved, that conversation evolved into about is sex work. I, just, I don't know how it got into I mean, I, I was listening to the entire thing, but it evolved into sex work. And then there are differences between the host and the interviewee, which was Jessica. And I thought that was an interesting conversation that I will also share a link. Put that on there. And I haven't, I haven't listened to that, to that thing. I got to listen to that. Yeah, it was, it was something else. Yeah. I I got a lot of critique 
I had a lot of critique to share with uh, Jessica. Mm. But anyhow, I think that any work that we do outside of this should be shared. So yeah. if you have any, if you're interviewed, we've, Andy, did we ever share your interview that you did on uh, Max News? No, and no, no, the, yeah, no, we never did. Oh, I mentioned it. I talked yeah. about it. But, yeah. yeah, but I think, uh, yeah, I just think like uh, I'm going to interested in hearing what Jessica, I kind of lost track of that until you listened to it recently. So I'm going to definitely check that out. Um, and, but yeah. Yeah, but we have shared your work. You've been in the news when you were in Mission Local and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Well, in the circuits in the park stuff. Did you want to say anything else, Andy? No. Um, please donate. And eventually, I still want to come back to the idea of what's left shirts. Yes. I have time to do that. Now, and now I'm also somewhere starting to sell some stuff, get some products going, free market working for us. Capitalism, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right okay <laughs> Andy. all right well that does it for this week's episode uh what's left is a weekly political uh podcast slash channel challenge the mainstream left we post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.webnote.com uh you can find uh, past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks that if you fancy anything you have heard here, anything you like here, uh, you would like to listen to this instead of view it, you can always subscribe, rate, review, turn on notifications to any of our other platforms on Spotify, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, BitChute, Odyssey, uh, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And you can find any of that in our blog or uh, in the episode notes to those links. Uh, and if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm Eduardo Varca with co-host uh, Andy Lipson, and we look forward to having Jessica and Kenny Cepeda on next week. Thank Bye you very next much. Week. And you can find our social media handles uh, in the episode notes as Instagram at Don Eduardo Varca and at ZDKE for Kenny Cepeda. And you can find Jessica's Twitter handle at jhomie89. All right, that does it. Thank you all very much. Ciao. I don't like the idea of having my own channel, really. I just... You're I'm lazy. Sorry, That's the problem. Part. You're too lazy to do any editing. <laughs> I don't like it. I love Andy doing that <laughs> stuff. Like honestly, Andy, you have no idea how much respect the you, the level of appreciation we just went up more every time. <laughs> like this is what happened, and this is just you can delete yeah. this part, Andy. Yeah. But I the editing software on my brother's computer. I have to, his computer is old. Uh, Kahanu was using his laptop, you know, and and so I can't edit there. So it was like ah, I'll just do it in Mexico. I'm like. Where do I find an Apple? I only know how to use iMovie and people don't have their updated iMovie. So I'm editing on this phone duh, 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 and then I delete the video on my phone. But iMovie is like, you just deleted the video. So they deleted the video. The edit. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot do this anymore. Yeah, that's horrible. Anyway, anyway, anyway back to the, this episode.